Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. This is part two of our conversation with Michael Sanford, a Hollywood casting director that we first met when he cast Liam in the Lena Dunham movie Sharpstick. I've talked before about that really being a game changer and a reminder that despite the struggles that I might have in advocating for Liam's equality, equal voice, and place in the classroom, that the world is changing for all of us. And the hope lies in the fact that it is becoming more inclusive and diverse. And that is becoming the the expectancy. We also discuss how media changes the picture that is painted. One thing that I'm reminded of as we're watching films is the stories that we tell and how important they are. And that seems kind of simple for me to say, because of course, our stories are important, but that we tell them and how we tell them One of the things we discuss in this interview is that we are a product of really our environments and the impact media has that in most environments, there is some kind of device that connects us with film and television and programs. And those programs have the power to change the narrative, the ideas that we consume the ability to see different possibilities. We met Michael through the Disability Film Challenge, which is celebrating their 10th anniversary this year. So as we talk about stories and the importance of telling our stories, the impact that those stories have on broadening the minds of people that may not be exposed to certain experiences, We'll include a link to the Disability Film Challenge registration and how you can participate in April. And while you think about what story you want to tell, please enjoy this second part of our conversation with our friend, Michael Sanford. Michael, I always enjoy our conversations because the insights that you have really help me to see beyond maybe even what my limits of my experiences are and how they impact me. I would love to hear your opinions. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure, sure. Like, what would you love to see? Like, what could we do? I was just thinking about Life Goes On. I was just thinking about it because the Beatles song came on. And I told Sophia about it, and we and we discussed that a little bit about that. I could look at, you know, now in this day of age, I can look it up. We can, we can see some episodes. And um, that was a long time ago. And we've seen some inclusion in in film, but a TV show dedicated uh, around a a family that includes someone with Down syndrome, 
I'm a little surprised it hadn't happened yet, but it's just kind of, again, but it's because just Because I think back it, then when they did it, the, the dynamic of it was this is special and this is different. And I think when we're talking about inclusion, that it is, you, you want it to be to where it just is. Part of Life Goes On was that you had Corky and he had Down syndrome. And I remember that it was about Down syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we talk about inclusion, we want it to just be about life. I loved one of the things I loved about Speechless was and and we got to meet Micah and his mom and they were delightful. But I loved Speechless because it was, you know, it could have been everyone loves Raymond. Right. Mm -hmm. Except you had one member of the family was in a wheelchair. And so it wasn't that it was just about this boy in a wheelchair, it was about the whole family and they all impact each other. These were the certain uh, situations that having the disability impacted, how they impacted, but it was everything. And I loved that it wasn't just focused on a disability. It was just, that was just part of it. And we're telling a story and now we're going to tell a story about my son was a brain and was a doctor when he was, you know, 16 years old. And this is how it impacted, you know, and, and, and all these stories are just, they're just stories. So I think what I would like to see is just, just what's happening now is to just have it where it's not a big deal. And I think one of the great things, and I loved about working on the project is just the, the, that we worked on with you was, the environment that we came into and the mindset that was already there. Because the, I went in there just, you know, with we went in there very trepidatiously and there was a lot of fear because there's, because of the perception, there is this want to highlight the perception. Do you know what I'm saying? When I say that, like how the stereotypes that go with Down syndrome, there's always this want to highlight those stereotypes that's what I would love. And I think it's with any, any disability that you're saying, but even, you know, just with down syndrome for there to be a character that it's not, this character has down syndrome and here's all those stereotypes that you want to see you, you know, that we always hear, um, superhuman strength and angels and all that. It's like, Nope, this is just a human. Just a kid. This is just a person. In the family. Right. right? Who fights with his sister. Right. And who, you know, argues with his parents or is is rebellious and you know and wants to go play a sport or see Mount Rushmore or something you know or and that's happening for as much as we're um talking about casting it it may need to trickle down from from creators I mean it makes sense that it would but you know we need the Norman Lear's yeah. we need the, the because the when, Peter Fairley's, right you know and 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 then and it's gonna ha- it, it's happening when you look at any change of any any um door opening or breaking down any stereotypes. I, I don't, did you see the Norman Lear uh, documentary? Oh, the documentary was great. I haven't It's yet, amazing. It is amazing. And one of the conversations they have is that uh, good times, that was the first time you saw a black family on TV. And they even talk about that they made mistakes because they propagated stereotypes. And that the Jeffersons, how great, that was really like a successful right. family that's just... Which spun from all in the family. From all in the from family. All in the family. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were stereotypes on that show too, but it right. was really oh, yeah. wonderful to bring those out. It was so great to just hear Norman, Le- first of all, it's... Am- I mean, he's amazing. He's an amazing oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Media Access Awards gave him an award a couple of years ago for all the work he does. 
Oh. Yeah, diversity and for people with disabilities. The world. <laughs> I mean, his, his so, impact yeah. on the world. If you want to look at any time anything is introduced that's changed and we're, we're asking people to open their mind, we don't always get it right the first time right? We don't, we don't, we make mistakes. We propagate stereotypes because we're trying so hard to get that voice out there or to, to make it honestly palpable. Like you have to, you have to, people have to be willing to, to watch. They have to be willing and open. And sometimes, sometimes that means that there's going to be some stereotypes that are, that are there. Like when normally remembers about John Amos coming to production and saying, we're focusing on Kid Dynamite and and JJ Walker's you know uh, antics and and we're and, and get getting this laugh which would happen all the time. They'd have to include this Kid Dynamite in in every episode. When I've got these two other kids that are great uh, students and 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 gonna really go someplace and, and we're not we're not highlighting That's what that the conversation that you want the conversation to have. You so know? he kind of went back and normally went back and thought about how yeah it could have been i could have done it differently too and and oh of course so i'm a product of what our challenges have been and our challenges have been there because of the lack of inclusion and the stereotypes and and all of those perceptions that are kind of ingrained in people so uh, we've had this conversation lately about that i've been changed by it right and there's been some great changes but you know, a little while ago, I just was like, I'm, I, I saw that it's not necessarily a positive thing because it changed the fiber of who I am from that, like trusting and kind. When, when I go into an IP, it's, I'm, I'm a different person. I'm not, I, I can Walls say I'm up. not always kind. <laughs> I'm defensive and I'm there because I've had to fight so hard that it's the word we've used if you had I don't to pick like the word the, fight. the, the, the word that we've used the most in the podcast besides a the and of it would be fight fight yeah. that you hold on to that feeling right and so then you have this world that's changing and some beautiful people who are changing it with inclusion and diversity and you know it's like if you have a cut and someone decides to pour, we've got to clean that out and make it healthy and pour alcohol on it. You're like, ha, ah. that's the same thing of you've got this wound of, of the impact of closed minds and non-inclusiveness and false perceptions. And then I meet that these changes are happening. It causes you to go, oh, it's a, it's a, is this happening? Because you tr you do you don't trust it at first because I have to tell I've told I told you before that we've gone into an, an IEP and I just I just say IEP because that our listeners can understand what an IEP is and that's probably the most concentrate of all of the challenges come together, but you go into it and you have people just lie to your face. We've, we had it happen this week with, with um, someone who was supposed to be supporting Liam, just right out lie. And like so, that rug being pulled out from under you and, and then becomes feeling, something that you just need, like you feel like I got to be aware of that, right? So it happens year after year after year. And then eventually you, if you're not careful, and I wasn't, you're not that fun loving, trusting, hopeful individual when you step into that room or 
even into a grocery store sometimes, I'll admit it. We're, we're that wet, beaten up alley cat that <laughs> that when wow. someone comes to grab you and say, I'll take you home, little I'll guy. I'll give you some food and you're like, oh. You scratch at, at right? the person that's trying to help you. <laughs> it's almost like, so. it's like a form of PTSD. We're going through that just on a different, because of what's so ingrained of your experience and what you've been through. But that's where, we, you know, our job is to have compassion and understand that. You know, we're going through it, even dealing with BIPOC and, you know, black formers and, you know, white Hollywood and black Hollywood and how, you know, that we have to sit back and listen and have these conversations and nobody walks in anybody else's shoes. So, you know, and my takeaway was from our experience was I needed what you said so passionately in, in one of the exchanges in the email was what you've been through before. So what, and then when you had the experience and it was really positive for, for Liam and for you both, and I think for Sophia, the email you wrote afterwards was, you know, because I might know the situation you're getting into and the players involved and how it is, but you have no way of knowing that. So it's both sides having to understand the others, where, where everybody is coming from. And it translate right, translates right into life because that's humanity. And so we have, and, and I'm always so hopeful and optimistic for our future and the generations that are coming up in inclusion. Yeah. Right. They're being, they are being brought into diversity and inclusion and acceptance and empathy. And that's, that's really how they're coming up. They're not coming up with these. I mean, obviously it still, it exists. Yeah, and, but we're getting those, more and more of those little boys from Queens that, that are around all kind of right, people. Right, you know? that are just kind of, that are, that it's being infiltrated. And, and I, and I believe that that change is, is going to be just like such a wonderful transition. And you're right, you, you, the, part of the thing is like understanding what some people have had to, that have gone through, you know, just seeing that transition and and the change that's coming up i look forward to and i've been and i've just made it aware in myself that it's it's like there's this this ray of hope yeah and and that i can i personally on this journey can maybe not fight so i mean not not fight not not like uh advocate but i don't have to be beaten down anymore i don't i don't have to because i'm seeing that it's not just me and i'm not alone in this challenge uh we're not doing this thing where honestly when when we used to sit down in ieps we'd get this sure mom you oh you want him to be held to the same stand you want him to be held to the same standards good for you mom you would okay we've gotten the chuckle you wouldn't think that a professional would look you look a parent in the eye and go all right. But we've gotten that from educators and you feel alone. A parent feels alone and they feel like, you know, like this parent I just talked to who was like, is it worth it? Do I stay? You know? And I said, yeah, you stay, you stay and you change and you change and we change it. That's right. And that's what's happening. And when we bring it full circle to what we're talking about today in the media, that's the fast track. Media is the fast track. Cause I'm going to say Lynn manuel Bridgerton, 
these productions that are coming out and just oh, that makes the change and just going boom. That's the oh, there's that famous thing about Paul Bear Bryant when he started including African Americans on his football team and they won the national championship a few times and people saw it on TV and said, well, that's a team that includes African Americans. That he did more for the civil rights movement than than many civil rights leaders because people were millions of people were were watching this and saying, oh well, we 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 can include people of color. What's interesting too, though, is you're producing the next generation. Like you're you're like you're part of the generation that is raising that awareness because I do see a huge difference in today's youth and um, just as far as their. Um, there's less barriers and there's less judgments and labels and mm-hmm. um, there's labels. I don't even want to say labels, but terms that we're trying to understand on the committee. There's all different, um, you know, just to include everyone. So um, it, it's definitely, it's going to be interesting to see where we're at in 50 years, if it keeps going in, in this direction. This Gen Z uh, these kids coming up are, are are different. You know, they're they are coming from a different place, and they're going to start being our leaders and voters. And, oh, so beautiful, right? They seem to be coming more from that human place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and respect and compassion and empathy for their fellow humans and each other, and changing the world really passionately, changing the world. You know, I, it dawned on me a little while ago that millennials, like, because that's all you, you, they get so much flack. Right. Yeah, and, the you know, you have jokes. snowflake and you have all of these labels. <laughs> right. Again, any, I, I think it's a pretty good uh, indicator that when people start throwing labels down, that's a good that's a that's a good indicator. Well, what do that you put a label on? Right. A box. Something right? that it's you don't understand people. and you want to put that put it in a box. But the one I, I looked at this generation and all the flack that they get, but just the beauty of so what they're emotional. It hasn't the lack of emotion and love just kind of put us into like a nice, like dark, dark empty space, <laughs> you know, like this, uh, there's, I don't, I don't think people who aren't afraid to show their emotions or say how they feel. I'm, I mean, I remember overhearing a conversation one time where someone was like, couldn't something like they couldn't handle the conversation right now. It was, it was too much and they were going to step away. And I was like, what? That is not to be ridiculed. That is healthy. Absolutely. But it becomes laughable to some people. People and laugh at it because they not... didn't. Because I think honestly, generations before didn't have that. Didn't think they had that privilege. Didn't have that ability to do it. There was different, you know, uh, preconceptions up, tough, of you know. of what they were supposed to be and feel and say. Just men in general, I uh, it was such a different thing. Being you know, um, not so much. I was very. My dad died when I was very young, so uh, I was raised by my my mom uh, and my her three brothers really, which. Uh, but again, I go back to there was a very healthy, and you know, also being um, passionate Italians, people would just express emotion; it would just come out, you know. Um, but so I didn't feel that. But I, but I have a lot of friends, and I've been throughout my life, been in many support groups and men's support groups, and um, where um, you know they're they're learning how to feel in their forties and fifties. And how to express themselves and, and it's, it could be with anyone you know it could be uh, it's like we were saying earlier that um every we all have stuff you know and uh that's that's what makes us human and the more we empathize with ourselves 
then we can have empathy for others as well. And that's what the world needs is, is empathy. Yeah. You had mentioned when, when you had talked about the, the community that you grew up in, that you didn't look at people who are different as being broken. No. Yeah. And, and I think that that's such an honest thing to say, because that's the truth is that different used to feel broken or there's something wrong or, you know what I mean? There's something wrong with you if you're different. And I think that what a gift it was for how you were raised that you were just given that right off the bat, that it's not, it's just, it's just how everybody is different. But I think it's such an honest comment. And unless we have those honest, honest things said that, then it can't change, right? That, that we can call it like you're you're looking at this person as there's something wrong with them, you know, not you, but society does. So until we call it what it is by saying that you, you see a difference as being something wrong, that we can change it to say, no, it's absolutely right because it's it's what it is. Like How much these, more all, can we learn from someone that's different these, than us? All these, all, you know, I look at all these groups and all these people and all these that are, that are now being in, included and my heart breaks a little to think that they were silenced for so long. They didn't have a voice. Um, just the, the ridicule and, and the challenges that were, that were put on them, you know, for a very hom- homogenous kind of picture that's painted. And so I think it's, it's just really beautiful now that how empowering that I can say, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay being me. I get to, now I'm me. That's, this is me. So I'm just going to do what I do and, and, and go. And, and I, and I think it's empowering. I always want to bring it back to what we're talking to, which is about the importance of inclusion and what you do. And I think that is definitely a direct benefit of changing the perception is because people have these these hardened perceptions. Well, we talk about the safe place that Michael can put himself in when he's introducing someone uh, in a more diverse group from his casting director job. But when that actually comes in fruition and we see people in media, what a safe place that puts another generation or or even an adult, uh, what a safe place that can put them in and, and know that they're not alone. They're just part of our community and human. Absolutely. You know, when you were saying, when you were saying a lot of that, something came up for me. Um, we moved out of Queens when I was 12 to Long Island, and that was a very different environment. That was more uh, middle to upper middle class white. And that's where my family, my mom and brother still are, and a lot of my friends from childhood. And, but, and it wasn't, you know, them, because people, you gravitate to people you have something in common with, but I'm just saying from the general feeling, I knew it as a, as a young kid, it was very different. I didn't see the diversity or, or the differences or the, you know, that, that I did see growing up in Queens. It's really interesting how being a product of your environment too can shape your mind and perceptions. 100%. And it's just about changing that, just that environment that there's more things that, that people can access. And so right? much of that environment that is, is media, right? And television and movies. That's right. What do you see as the benefit of inclusion? Oh, well, it's everything we, we said about just accurate portrayal of, of life and the world and the community and each other and, um, and equality. Like people, everyone feels and everyone 
has, like we were saying, problems and issues and strengths and weaknesses. And um, it shouldn't be, I don't think it should be limited to, like remember like back in even silent movie days or even after that, perfection was portrayed, except for some of those rare movies now that I go back and find and see that were unbelievable, like unbelievably ahead of their time. But what was shown in the theaters in mainstream America, like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, everyone wanted to be, you know, that. That's what they wanted to have the the good looks or the, the, car, the car and the house. And it's not real. It's not what, and it's, it, it leaves a lot of people out, I think. So in, inclusion doesn't leave anyone out. Because even what we were talking about, as far as just bringing it to the level of finally having casting directors in the CSA, we're casting directors. There's still an art in what we do, whether it be commercials or a play or a film or a TV show. And it's the same with people, whether someone has a disability or, one, or somebody has a different shade of skin than us or a different background than us. The world is inclusive. So anyone with power or like media, media has such power, has a job to represent that. It's really important. And I think it, it's gotten better because of the change even in the generations, like you guys were saying. Like, look at some of the shows. I have two little godkids and I have two nephews in New York and she's nine and he's six. What they're exposed to is so different than the shows I was exposed to, even the cartoons. I forgot about, I was, there was this character on Sesame Street, I think, very early on, that in the 70s, like, who had, if I remember right, had Down syndrome. Sesame Street's amazing, and Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers was the bomb. Mr. Rogers, with, who was, what was the scene in the pool with the, was it the mailman? The black mailman. The, mail- right. the mailman. Washing his feet. And, and it's so ahead of its time. It's kind of like with the space program, we landed on the moon and then we stopped going forward. Like you had Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street doing these things. And then all of a sudden we stopped because we're like, you know. We just started doing low earth orbit missions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't want to get too far away from Earth. And I don't know that this is the podcast to go there, but who's to say there's not life on are we that arrogant to think we're the only ones in the universe? Now you're getting the subjects of the podcast I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to a lot of different podcasts, also diversity podcasts, but just to kind of stay in the zone of what he the loves space. is. But I, but I love science he loves, and space he loves astronomy. Science and space. So. Like my first dream was to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. I remember in high school not knowing what I wanted to do, and I thought about going to the Florida Institute of Technology for Space Sciences. Mm. It just didn't work out that way. I did go to NYU, though, which also changed everything for me living in Manhattan, you know, being exposed. Because I could probably count on two hands the amount of times we went into the city growing up in Queens and on Long Island. You know, it was just for like, events and plays and museums and um but living there and just experiencing just different cultures beyond you know um, people that were different from all over the world sure so that really was life changing that means that to me was more of an education than the actual school that's very thorough you know that you get the education just by the experience of being there mm-hmm. right? yeah. you're in the city and that's pretty fantastic it reminded me of like the melting pot of society and and then i had 
uh, we had heard somewhere, and I've just I've said it a couple times on the podcast that that's that's really not a melting pot. That's not what we want. We don't want to throw everybody of diversity in and we just become the same. It's that we see the differences, and that's what makes it great. Right. So that's the great part of inclusion and change is that it does, and that's how sometimes the ball when it gets rolling, it's a little clanky, but it's rolling, and that's and that's kind of the 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 that is the gift of it. But it's interesting because even what you both are doing with these podcasts, you know, and having conversations that are around things that are normal, maybe would be uncomfortable for some people is so important. And that's, that has to be making the change. We hope so. I mean, we we're, hope we're so. very, we're, I'm very, we're very blessed that this is something that is even possible that, that we're at an age where, uh, first of all, this technology is here, but second of all, people for however their lives are arranged that, and I've said it before, we kind of go back to old school radio where, where people want to hear get their information while they're doing other things, possibly driving or doing the dishes or something. So that's a go-to. And it's we're, accessible. We're happy. And, you know, there's millions of podcasts and you can get any flavor you want, right? And so we're happy that we we ha- we, ha- we found a spot in the Down syndrome community. And we do hope, yeah, that that's making a difference. I mean, we started it because when, when Liam was born, there wasn't anything out there. There were a few films that people referred me to that were horrible. They were just horrible. People would refer me because they were like, oh, you're, you're going to, this has got to be good for you, <laughs> right? So, yeah, so. And it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And like I said, it was, the, but it was all that was out there, right? And then things started to change over the last 10 years. We've had things like um, Born This Way and and just different shows and different movies and things. So the conversation is changing, but we, we set out to do this. If we could touch one life to not have the limits on it or for a parent not to feel overwhelmed or stressed. Even just putting the conversation out there that this is inclusion and diversity. It's a gift to to be able to do that. And until it's all to where everybody's always there and ev- and accepted and and being able to live their life with their civil rights intact, then we we just all keep moving forward. And and that's the goal, you know. I was thinking about the movie. It's an old movie, and I don't know what it was. The boy Eric Stoltz, where he had a condition. Mask. 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 Yeah, and the situation. I just remember some of the scenes in the school where the mom chair would like stand up to, you know, he's he no he he doesn't need a special school. He needs math and he needs English and he needs interaction with other kids and right. Chair just said. No, this is school. He just needs to learn. And it is, you know, what's funny is whoever wrote that story had some, was inspired by something real, someone real. True story. Was it based on Mm -hmm. a true story? So back whenever the story was first written, you know, even though idea took place in the seventies, they were still fighting for an education for their child. And then, you know, and I think the one thing that we always talk to Sophia about, because we watch a lot, a lot of films and one of the things I try to show her is the impact that film has and the power that film has, because you can go through film and take something from each generation and you can see what was through each genre, whether it be comedy or drama or whatever it is, what were the topics? And then when you watch how the film was made, what was acceptable? That's so powerful for me to watch a film that I grew up on maybe now 
or read a book that I read maybe 30 years ago and, and just the meaning in it now, or, or to see something like, wow, what we got, away, what people were able to get away with. And now we think they got away with something, but it was only because that was what the norm and what was accepted. Yeah. That was what was accepted. Right. Like you were saying, the perfect, like even Norman Lear, like referencing some of his early shows and where he felt. But at the time, it was the complete opposite of what he, it was a breakthrough. And for someone like him, though, like he, he, he's also a work in progress, like, you know, and he's still as he in his 90s or 80s, very relevant now with his thoughts and perceptions of things just from hearing them interviewed. And I will watch that actually this weekend. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's and, great. And I'm not going to give too much away, but after watching it, not only as a, uh, just a creator and an artist, as a human, I, just him in that documentary, just, I'm not going to say anything until you see it, but I just, I was moved in so many ways by just his honesty and his humanity. And I think that's probably why he moved humanity so much because he was honest, you know? Um, that honesty came through in his work when he was younger, but now him looking back on his life, it's it's very it's as special as he is. It's definitely a reflection of how special he is. That'll be my documentary tonight. So we talked a lot about how um, what has changed in the industry with inclusion, but what do you still hope to see change? What I still hope to see change is what one of you had mentioned, where it's not such a an abnormal thing to see inclusion or where it's just second nature. We're not, we're not saying, oh, there's a, this type of person or this type of performer or, or we're not putting limits on like, has to be able-bodied or, you know, must be a person with a disability. Let's just go for the person who's right for the role. Like in the same with ethnicity and diversity, you know, um, and I'm not saying say, I think all ethnicities get when when we list that on a breakdown or when we put, you know, African-American, Caucasian, or, you know, we have to check the boxes of what we're looking for. That unless it's a historical figure that you're representing, you know, we just don't think about that as much. That's what I, I would <laughs> still like to see happen. Um, you know, where this, this generation grow up, that it's not an issue for them. Um, but but I do think, uh, I, I definitely could see the strides and the growth, but I do think we have a way to go. We often do an if we knew then question because, you know, as the podcast is called, If We Knew Then, we often ask a question of our guests, what's something that they wish they knew in the past that would have, uh, have affected them today? Great question. I mean, uh, first of all, not to take everything so seriously not to be so judgmental, to trust more. There's so many things, but then I have to go to the flip side of that. Like I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for the things I did go through and the things I didn't know then. And again, that's where I go to, you know, there's a reason we go through everything we go through. And I still have, you know, I think we all have a long way to go, but I, I finally feel like Let's say in the last couple of years, I'm on a, a very in a very different place than I ever have been. A lot of it might even be COVID, but um, yeah. But the biggest thing is to um, not be so future oriented too, just to stay more present. 
that's a big thing. I was always living for the future that I, I was already into the next day thinking I was in the day before because my mind wasn't focused. I was a lot less staying in the moment. So that would be it. You must be learning every day in the casting office. Yeah, like even, um, well, just the experience of going through the casting sections for this project that we worked on together and getting self-tapes from all over the country, basically, of performers, young performers with disabilities who who are perceived as, well, it's not, I don't even want to say perceived, but just to watch the interaction with their family, because we had to do a scene where the parent was interacting too with the child. and. And to to understand not having children that their love isn't the love love is love, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't ever see me not if I did have children not loving or wanting to keep a child because it, my child was born a certain way. I just couldn't imagine that. And the the joy, I I know my committee feels that though because we all do work around this, but it's really trying to get it out to other people. Like even my staff who maybe aren't as as versed in this, like their reactions to watching some of the self-tapes who, who aren't on the committee with me or who who aren't as active in this as I am. And um, so, so that'll carry over into their conversation at the dinner table with their loved ones. And they'll start maybe looking at um, movies and people differently. But again, it's it's just taking the the common story of everyday life and everyday people who who go through this, like yourselves, and and sharing that um, and trying to put that on the screen or trying to put that out there, you know, and and to show someone like Liam's strengths and assets and his infectious love, you know, and that's not me saying just saying that i think it was apparent to everyone involved he got the job <laughs> so you know i mean it wasn't he, it wasn't because he had a ton of experience behind him or his you know it wasn't nepotism or or anything like that or we weren't trying to check a box or he was perfect for the um role so if our industry in the world could get their their headspace to be more like that just to be more open to that and not have the preconceived notion or about or stereotype in their mind for people out there and, and parents out there that uh to know that people that are coming to you to audition could, could be first timers this could be an early thing for them and and that's okay and the the industry is accept, accepting of that absolutely yeah and we have a lot of first timers sometimes that come in for of, of of all different backgrounds, just because like a client knows somebody, but like a producer has a friend or, and we give them the same, you know, we try to make it, we're always very open during, the, like, especially when we were in person and people weren't self-taping on their own, but to make everybody feel welcome. And we had a woman yesterday on a callback we did who had never auditioned before. And just to make the experience positive for her. And she's not an actress, but she did, she did okay. She just did, and I think it was because she was made to feel comfortable, not only by us, but by the clients who were on the, in the callback. So, and they were doing it for their client, you know? So, um, I mean, that, I think we, we have to do that for each other. Like, I think we have to, like, it, 
again, it goes back to what Laurie and I were saying, maybe being the eternal op, the, the good still outweighs the bad. I, I always still feel that, I really do. Um, I wouldn't be able to get through life. And then I think that has to do with faith too. Like no matter what one believes in, you know, but I, I definitely have, I do have a higher power or God or however you want to define that, that keeps me in check. So my ego isn't leading my life, you know, we're all equal and um, I have no control the older I get. Like, you, you know, you think your life is going to go a certain way. And by the time I was 25, I was going to be a millionaire and I was going to be married with kids and I was going to have this big home, which I had all that. I had the house and the wife and, the, and I'm living and I'm much happier living in my little one bedroom downtown now. And so, but it's just because of where my mindset's at and, and all the work I've done on myself. But that's everyone's responsibility, I think. I've said it a lot, a couple of times, I think on the podcast too, is where people talk about, man, my, my parents had these ideas and, but their parents had these even more off ideas, but their parents. And so at least we're changing, you know, every generation gets better, but you do realize that it, it doesn't have to be generation after generation because we are born in this pure form. I remember being in, in track as a kid and in New Orleans is a pretty segregated area where I was in an all-white team, and there were all teams that were just composed of African-Americans, and I wouldn't uh, meet an African-American child uh, my age except for when we'd have meets and we'd get together, and, and we'd, we'd get together and we're so innocent and, and talking about our skin colors together or, or the texture of our hair and both of us saying, this is neat, this is cool, and, and then we'd race and high-five each other, shake hands, and then we'd my parents would be at one side of the stadium and their parents would be on the other side of the stadium. And that's, that's where you could see how maybe the whispers and like, what were you guys talking about or something, you know, like that's where the adults, you know, infiltrated the child's mind. And that's where that origin story of, of our, of our prejudices. But on the same note, we all have the power to be Lin-Manuel Miranda's and Bridgerton's, you know, we all have that same power. And I think that's the, that's what's coming through now that we've seen the other side of the coin and that we've also seen just the swift change in the and the love that happens for the better when we decide to act as as those that make these dramatic changes have decided to do so powerfully. And I want to thank you, Michael, because you talk about that in your everyday life, you want to make a change. And the reason we are even having you on the podcast is because what a beautiful experience it was to talk to you uh, beforehand to learn about the advocacy you have in your own life and, and the gentle spirit you are. You are making a difference at the very least that we can say the difference you've made in our lives and we appreciate you. Oh, thank you. And likewise to you both and for, for opening my eyes to a lot more too, uh, which I could take into the organization and use that as, you know, as a channel for what we're talking about know, the entertainment industry as much as I can. But again, it goes so beyond entertainment. It's, it's just day-to-day -day living and interacting with people everywhere. I thank you for sharing that with us and sharing a little insight into your passion and how you're changing things. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate the experience. Thank you for asking me. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod. And you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. 
And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Come and